I'll leave it and go and find another one down the road, which makes me feel happier. Our perception of the good life is, I need to be who I really am, and I need to pursue happiness. And again, it just gets us into a tangle and into a mess. And then the third attack upon faithfulness is the big trends of urbanization and consumerism, which make faithfulness much harder, much more difficult. The thing about us living in urban environments, in the UK, most of us have lived in urban environments now for well over 100 years. The Industrial Revolution happened first in the UK, and people moved to the towns, and for the last 150 years, most Brits have lived in urban environments of one kind or another. And the thing about living in an urban environment is it's much easier to be anonymous. In a village, everybody knows who you are and everybody knows what you're doing. There's a kind of a, an accountability, for better or for worse. In an urban environment, you can hide, you can do your own thing. And if you don't like one thing, you can move on to another thing. And who's going to call you to account? Who's even going to know? And consumerism, born out of the Industrial Revolution, feeds that as well, that we just buy stuff and consume stuff and process stuff. And urbanization and consumerism make faithfulness much harder. They make it actually much easier to pursue what is temporary and fluid and ephemeral. And we suffer options paralysis in our urban consumerist society because we celebrate consumer choice. But actually what consumer choice often does is to cause us stress because we have too many choices. I don't know what microwave to buy because there are so many. And you go on Amazon and you look on the reviews and you're trusting the reviews of other people, but we can suffer options paralysis about everything, about which microwave to buy, about which person to marry, about which church to go to, because we're consumers and we're given so much choice. And then we fear missing out. We have FOMO. We have fear of missing out because we think if we choose this thing, if we choose that microwave, if we choose that life partner, if we choose that church, then we might have missed out on a better microwave or a better wife or a better church. And that can feel a very scary place for us to be. And at the best, what we're left with then is brand loyalty. That at the best, we tend to buy the same make of jeans whenever we buy new jeans, or we tend to go to the same chain of coffee shops when we want a coffee. That's kind of the best as expected in a consumer urban society. And it's very hard for us to think or act in any other way, because in this world of the secular religion of personal autonomy and where we define the good life as just my personal pursuit of happiness and in this urban consumerist society in which we live, faithfulness can look like being trapped. And it can look like settling for second best because how do you know something better might not be just around the corner. And it can look like boredom. You're still here? After 20 years? 30 years? You're still doing that? Now, my contention this afternoon is that if we settle for this cultural pattern, if we just absorb the way that our world thinks and operates, then the game for us as followers of Jesus is up. But if we just swallow the cultural pattern, then we're not going to be faithful to Jesus for the long haul. We're not going to be faithful to our spouses for the long haul. We're not going to be faithful to our churches for the long haul. We're not going to last. And the theme of these two days is about lasting. And I want us to be people who last. 
not just for a weekend, not just for a few months, but for as long as the Lord puts breath in our bodies. And if we can get to the end of our lives, and even if there's no headlines that will be written about us, but like Tony Christopher, it can be said, they were faithful to Jesus, and they were faithful to their family, and they were faithful to their church. And I think the Lord will reward that. So how are we going to live that way? Well, we need a biblical vision of faithfulness. So we're going to do a bit of a Bible study for the next 20 minutes. We're going to have a biblical vision of faithfulness. Let's go through this. First thing is to see how God himself embodies faithfulness. Faithfulness is what, or actually faithfulness is who God is. And it's very hard for us to grasp that. What does it mean to say God is faithful? We sing, God is faithful, God is faithful. But what does that really mean? It's hard for us to grasp might think of the old faithful geezer in Yellowstone Park, which erupts with boiling water at regular intervals, called Old Faithful because it does it so faithfully. But actually, the intervals at which Old Faithful erupts has changed over the decades because everything changes. We might think of faithfulness as faithful like a friend, but we all know that friends can be fickle. And actually, when we're talking about God, we're talking about a unique category of faithfulness, God embodies faithfulness in a unique way. Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Who is God? He's the one who embodies faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7, 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Think about Revelation 19 verse 11 where it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called what? Faithful and true. Faithful is what? Faithful is who God is. Is He is utterly trustworthy in himself. God is incapable of betraying himself. He is true. He is right. He is reliable. He is faithful. When everything else slips and gives way, he remains solid. He remains true. He is the rock. He is faithful. Second thing, we need to see how God commends those who are faithful. Because faithful is what God is, who God is, it is something that he commends in his people. Think about the story right in the beginning of Genesis, the story of Enoch. Enoch was someone who's commended for walking faithfully with God. Think about the story of Genesis, Genesis 6, 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. What does that mean? It means he walked faithfully with God. Think about New Testament commendations of individuals. 1 Corinthians 4, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Think about what Paul says to the Colossians, how he begins and ends his letter to the Colossian church, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, You learned it, the gospel. You learned the gospel from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ. 
on our behalf. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. As a commendation for those who are faithful. Now we can think of being faithful in quite patronizing ways. We struggle with the term, what is it to be faithful? Perhaps we might think, my dog, my old dog. What a faithful old dog. It's the kind of language you use. You've got a faithful old dog. It's a kind of twee patronizing sentiments. But biblically, to be known as faithful is a commendation. If it can be said of a church, you're God's faithful people. If it can be said of individuals, Anesimus, Timothy, Tychicus, Tony Christopher, faithful people, that's a commendation from the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to get some commendation from the Lord. Third thing we need if we're going to get a biblical vision of faithfulness is to see how God commands faithfulness in his people. Faithfulness isn't only a commendation for a special few, it's a command to us all. Genesis 17, verse 1, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The command to Abraham was, be faithful. And Abraham is the covenant father of all those who believe. Those of us who believe in Christ Jesus are Abraham's spiritual sons and daughters. The promises and the commands that were given to Abraham are now ours. And so Abraham was commanded to be faithful before the Lord. That applies to us as his spiritual descendants. Who are you? A descendant of Abraham spiritually, a child of God, adopted in Christ. What are you to be? Faithful. It's a command. Think of Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, now it is required that those who have been given a trust, and if we have seen who Christ is, if our eyes have been opened to the truth of who God is in Christ Jesus, we have been given a trust, what then? Well, you must prove faithful. Keep at it. Be reliable. Be true. Be Samwise Gamgee. It's an unwritten rule of advance. We have to have a Lord of the Rings quote at our conferences. I made a promise, Mr. Frodo. A promise. No, I won't leave him. Now, don't you leave him, Samwise. Don't mean to. It's that kind of faithfulness. Now, even in that, Sam can seem a somewhat twee, somewhat patronized figure, but There's a kind of a biblical truth that Tolkien wrote into that character deliberately. Keep at it. Be reliable. Be true. God commands faithfulness in his people. It's better to be Samwise Gamgee in his garden than Sauron in his tower. Fourth thing, see how God enables his people to be faithful. Faithfulness is so difficult. It's so countercultural. How on earth can we do it? How can we last? How can we endure? How can we last the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long the Lord gives us? How can we endure? How can we last? Well, we need God's help. We need God's enabling. You see this in David's great penitential psalm, Psalm 51. In the, uh, some translations, it translates that you delight in truth in the inward being, the NIV translates it like this. You desired faithfulness 
even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. You see, what God wants, God wants his people to be faithful and true. He wants this to be who we are deep inside. This is a heart thing. Even in the womb, God was wanting us to be faithful. He wants it to be who we are thoroughly, authentically. Our culture wants to express the authentic me. Actually, the authentic me needs to become become something. That's someone who's faithful to Jesus. The authentic me isn't me expressing who I feel I should be in order to be happy. No, the authentic me is finding out who I'm meant to be in Christ, embodying that and then living that out faithfully. That's where you find authenticity. And God wants his people to be authentically, thoroughly faithful, in the dark faithful, when no one's looking, when no one's seeing you, but God's, who are you? God wants us to be faithful. Now, how do we do that? It's so difficult. It's so countercultural. We do it by God's enabling. We do it by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a gift, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if God's Holy Spirit is at work in us, we are empowered for faithfulness. We're not incapable of faithfulness, no matter how hard our culture might pull us away from faithfulness, no matter how much our culture might attack faithfulness, we Christians are empowered for faithfulness. We can live in a God-pleasing way because God, by His Spirit, enables us to. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It's the faithfulness of God that enables our faithfulness to him. We can't do it on our own. I can't be faithful on my own. I know on my own I'm not going to be faithful to Jesus. By my own efforts I'm not going to be faithful to my wife. I know by my own efforts I'm not going to be faithful to my church. I'm not because in my sinful flesh I'm not faithful and my culture teaches me not to be faithful and my culture attacks faithfulness but it's not just down to me hallelujah it's God at work in me God's spirit is at work in me and the spirit of God enables me to be faithful because God himself is faithful God enables his people to be faithful the fifth thing we need to see for biblical vision of faithfulness is to see how God rewards faithfulness Now, faithfulness actually is its own reward in a sense because life actually goes better when we are faithful. And that's counterintuitive to what our culture teaches because our culture teaches, don't be faithful, grab what you can. And if you don't like that, change and grab something else. Don't be faithful, you'll miss out. But actually, faithfulness causes life to go better because more faithfulness means less complexity. It means more stability. The most obvious example of that is in terms of sexuality. That if you never have sex with anybody, unless you're married to somebody and you only have sex with them, that keeps life very simple. If you live, as our culture says, in terms of sexuality, life gets incredibly complex. Just reading the other day about a surge in STIs at the moment. 
Why? It's because of the complexity of people's lives. If you sleep with multiple different partners, the chances of getting an STI rapidly escalates. If you never sleep with anybody, unless you're married to somebody and you only sleep with them, you're not going to get an STI. You suddenly dealt with a whole realm of potential complexity in your life. If you only ever get married once and stay with that person, you just deal with complexity. You don't have to worry about selling houses and splitting out the proceeds between different partners. You don't have to have the complexity that so many of my friends have of who's having the kids this weekend and how do my kids get on with your kids or the kids of your new partner. All that complexity goes if you're faithful. And that's even difficult to say in our culture because so many lives, people's lives are so complex. Even in this room, I know some of you are living in the complexity of some of those things which have happened to you in the past. And so it's a difficult message to say because it can sound like we're condemning people. We're not condemning people, just recognizing that actually faithfulness is its own reward. Complexity swamps us in our worlds. And faithfulness keeps things simple, fills stability. We've got to be able to say it. But more than that, God directly rewards faithfulness. Proverbs 28.20, a faithful person will be richly blessed. I want to be blessed. Parable of the talents. Well done, my good servant, his master said, because you have been trustworthy, faithful. In a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Revelation 2.10, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. That's an amazing verse. Be faithful even to death, and I will give you life. It's the corresponding verse to the one my dad was talking about yesterday, where Jesus in Revelation says, I was dead and now I am alive. What the faithful Jesus promises to his people is if you're faithful, even to death, you're going to get life. There's a reward from God. Now, that's unsurprising because God rewards the things that God values. Faithfulness can often feel like a sacrifice at the time. I'm not going to indulge my desire for this thing. I'm not going to do what my culture says I should because actually I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to Jesus, so I'm not going to lie when my boss asks me to. And I'm going to be faithful to my wife, even though that other woman looks very attractive. And I'm going to be faithful to my church, even though I'm feeling pretty fed up with it at the moment. I'd rather go somewhere else. I'm going to choose to be faithful. And those things can feel like a sacrifice. Our culture says, you're sacrificing, you're crazy. Choose something else, do something else. But faithfulness embraces delayed gratification. Faithfulness says, I'm going to be faithful now even if it feels like sacrifice now because I believe that God is going to reward me, he will give me something better in the end. And that means that faithfulness is about maturity. And maturity gets rewarded. We live in an immature culture, an infantile world in which grown adults behave like screaming two-year-olds and stroppy teenagers. And that's commended and thought of as normal. And we need to be mature, which means being faithful, and that means getting rewarded from God. And I want his rewards. The sixth thing we need to see is that we're so dependent on God's faithfulness. 
The myth of the secular religion of personal autonomy is, I did it my way. The reality is that we are dependent creatures. The only reason that you and I are still alive in this room right now is because God is putting breath in our bodies. Without him, we are dead. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out in faithfulness. He will bring forth justice, the tenderness of God. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, Lamentations 3, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The reason you and I are alive is because of the faithfulness of God. And we only get to know God because of his faithfulness. Look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. The only way we get to know God is because he is faithful and calls us into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. And if he has called us into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, and he is faithful, then we can have assurance of faith now and forever. It's because of the faithfulness of God we can be utterly stone-cold certain that he will never let us go and our eternity with him is guaranteed. Why? Because he is faithful. We're so dependent on the faithfulness of God. And the last thing is that we need to see how faithfulness provides the defining shape for Christian households. Biblically speaking, this word households is double-sided. It speaks both of Christian homes, the household, but it also speaks of Christian churches. They're both households of God. And the book of the Bible which most clearly illustrates that and expands that is Paul's first letter to Timothy in which the church and the family are held together as a kind of a, a mirror of one another and a model for one another. And in that epistle, in that letter to Timothy, Paul writes about faithfulness. 1 Timothy 3.2, now the overseer, the elder, is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife. A deacon must be faithful. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful. What is expected in the Christian household, what's expected in the Christian family and the Christian church family in the household is faithfulness. Faithfulness is expected of one another and to one another. And that's because faithfulness to others demonstrates faithfulness to God. Why can you not be an elder or a deacon if you're not faithful to the person you're married to? Because if you're not faithful to them, you're not being faithful to Jesus. The two things are a mirror and a model of one another. And because God is faithful, his household needs to demonstrate faithfulness. Faithfulness should be the thing that we know of one another and which we expect of one another. In our culture, that's a huge ask. In our churches, that's a huge ask. Faithfulness? What's that? If I don't like it, if I get fed up, I'll go and do something else. I'll go somewhere else. No, God calls us to faithfulness. At your funeral, what's going to be said about you? Will they play 
Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way, all the way to hell? Or will someone like me stand up and say, he, she was faithful, faithful to Jesus, faithful to their family, faithful to their church. I hope that when I die, that whoever takes my funeral will be able to say those things about me. Faithfulness is an unfashionable virtue, but it is a virtue. I believe that God's call to us would be be unfashionable, be virtuous, be faithful. Get a biblical vision for faithfulness and last as a disciple of Jesus Christ, not as a wind-tossed slave of this world and all its nonsense, which is passing away. Amen? Let's pray. Maybe the band can come back. Let's stand together. Just where you are, as I pray, why don't you reach out to God and as we come towards the end of our our time here, let's ask him to seal some things in our hearts. There are things that Steve brought to us this morning which need to go deep into our hearts and nestle there and germinate there and start to produce fruit in our lives. There are things that we've heard in these interviews and testimonies and stories from around the world which again need to kind of settle in our souls and shape us. And there might be things from what I've said about faithfulness where there's some action required on your part where you know that you're too prone to follow the culture of the world, maybe even blind to how the world shapes us and you need to have your eyes open to a different, more biblical model of life. Might be particular areas where perhaps I've prodded you and you need to respond and maybe do some business with Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for your tender mercy towards us. Thank you that you are the one who doesn't snuff out a smoldering wick. Thank you that because of your faithfulness there are mercies in you every morning. Thank you because of your faithfulness we're able to come to a place of knowing you and be found in Christ. Because of your faithfulness we know that you will never let us go. You'll never abandon us. Thank you Lord that you will reward us as we pursue you in faithfulness. And thank you that if we seek to live in faithfulness that we will see healthy communities, healthy households being built. And so Lord, I pray for us. I pray for us personally, individually, for the church we represent and for what we're doing together in this thing we call advance. Lord, may faithfulness be something that we really can expect of one another and something that we demonstrate towards one another. Lord, let us be faithful as you are faithful. Thank you that you enable us. Lord, we're so weak, but you are strong. Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh? for faithfulness, faithfulness that endures, faithfulness that lasts, faithfulness that isn't just a flash in the pan thing, but which carries us to the end of our days. You are faithful, and we want to be your faithful people in response. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's praise his name.